Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man What's up, Threebies? What's up, Diamond Dogs? Shout out to my athletic gerbils. How's everybody doing? Guess what? This is Three Swings with Rhea Butcher, and I am Rhea Butcher, and I'm going to take three swings. What What if I did that? What if I was like, this is a Fruit Ninja podcast? <laughs> uh, it's not. It's a baseball podcast, but it's really about life. I say this to everybody, because I don't know if y'all know this, baseball fans. Um, some people really hate baseball. And so I've chosen to make a thing that is niche. And look, I'm trying to make a niche thing, not niche. Also, so many people like baseball. It's just that so many people maybe don't think they like me. So the Venn diagram is, you know, just two baseballs very far away from each other. I'm trying to get them closer, though. You know, you just keep swinging. You keep getting the ball closer to where you want it to go. I hope everybody's doing good. I've had not a ton of motivation to get on here during spring training, and I apologize for that. I'll just straight up own own my shit. Um, I, you know, have had some life stuff to take care of, a lot of tour dates that I've been working on, trying to get some other things going, and I just, it's fallen to the wayside. But right now, today, Saturday, March 16th, is 12 days from opening day. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. We're back. It's back. It's back. Baseball never really went away. There's Japan leagues. There's winter leagues. There's all kinds of stuff. But we are talking about men's major league baseball coming back. And I'm very excited about that. It's also generally going to be summer. So there's generally going to be more baseball. We can maybe watch some women play baseball. There's going to be the baseball for all tournament in or nationals in uh, Rockford, Illinois. So keep an eye out for that. It's just it's baseball time, everybody. And I'm excited about it. I'm very happy. Um, I'm so happy that all of you are listening to this podcast. If you are somebody who listens to this podcast, please spread the word, the gospel, if you will, of Three Swings and let your friends know, hey, this is this podcast. I like this podcast. These are the episodes I really like. Send them an episode. Now, I know I'm asking you to do a lot of work for me. And what I'm saying is I appreciate it. And I'm telling you how to do it. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying this is a way you could do it. And it'll make it easier on you. You grab an episode, you send it to them. I did the same thing for a different podcast uh, that I'll mention on here because this is, I don't do this because I want to be the most popular person in baseball. (laughs) I do this because I like to do it straight up. I listened to the podcast, The Dream, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. I really liked the format. I thought it was well produced. I liked the the topic. I thought I learned a lot. I blew through it super fast. So I sent it to a friend. He was like, podcasts are really hard to listen to. And I was like, hey, man, I get it. I might disagree with that. But also, like, that's what he's got going on. So I was like, you ever use Stitcher? And he never responded. So then I was like, hmm, I know he uses Spotify, I'll bet it's on Spotify. I found it on Spotify. I sent it to him. He listened to it in a day while he put in a dry creek bed. You just, you make things easy for people that you like. Now, is the person that you like in that sentence me or your friend? I don't know. That's up to you. Who do you want to do it for? 
Do you want to share this thing with people that you like because you like them and you think they might like it? Great. You want to share this thing because you like me and you like what I have to say? That's great. Is it both? Even better. Look at that. What a wonderful world it is. You know what I mean? Um, I also want to give a shout out to the podcast, The Big One. That one's a little more like LA specific, but I think you could listen to it anywhere. Um, it's produced by my friend Arwen Nix, and she made this podcast for KPCC about the impending sort of semi-apocalyptic uh, earthquake that is going to happen in Southern California because it's not not going to happen. Um, I really like that podcast. I've I've caught all the way up on it and I listen to the episodes as they come out. So, you know, like support podcasts, like they really are, especially the independent ones. Um, they really are like an independent production still. Um, there's so much entertainment that is very corporatized. I mean, this podcast is about sometimes men's major league baseball and that is a huge corporate entity that's essentially printing money at this point and we'll get more into that in a minute um and it's good to balance that sometimes i'm not going to say like i I don't think it's fair that you have to take yourself out of a, a a thing that you like because it's not perfect and i mean this podcast is all about exploring some of the imperfections in this thing And I have been pretty morose about the state of baseball often. And I've said, I wonder if I'm even going to do it. But, you know, I turn on my I turn on at bat and I watch the end of the Dodgers and the White Sox and the White Sox are almost they've got two on. It's it's a one two count with two out in the bottom of the ninth. They've got two on second and third. And it's exciting. And I love it. And I want to see who's going to win. And I'm at the point now where. I have a million different hats of a million different teams and I don't care about having one team anymore. I used to think that was what I really wanted, but what I really want is to enjoy the moment that I'm in. And I might come into that moment with a preference, but I'm going to enjoy what I'm watching. So anyway, that was a long tangential thing to just say, I get it, but I don't think you have to completely remove yourself from everything that is imperfect. I think you can remain and be a voice that says, Hey, this isn't cool. This isn't good. Um, cause otherwise we're all just outside of the things that we love. And the only people that are enjoying it are people who don't care. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you got to stick around. Um, so anyway, that was, wow. See, this is how it's about both baseball and life, because the whole point of that was to get you to listen to my friend's podcast. And I made it about baseball. I can make anything about baseball at this point. So support, you know, independent public, uh, entertainment. It's, it needs us for sure. I mean, Sesame street is on HBO now. So only kids whose parents have access to HBO get to watch Sesame street. And that makes me really sad, like legitimately sad. I don't know if it makes anybody else legitimately sad, but like, and I don't even know what the state of Sesame street is right now, but, um, that show, I would count it in a list of things or entertainment art, whatever you want to say, that influenced me as a person and my sense of humor and my the way I look at the world, that's in my top 10 for sure. Was Sesame Street just as or more influential than Conan? Pro- probably. <laughs> Somewhere. I mean, there's like sketches in there. It like teaches you the format of sketch comedy and like jokes and stuff. Um, and also it always had like for me, the thing that I really liked about Sesame Street that, guess what, reminds me of baseball, you're watching something that is hap- that has been produced now. So, like, when it would be the segments of Sesame Street where they're literally on Sesame Street, that would be a sketch, for lack of a better term, that was filmed recently, you know, if it was a new episode. And then within that episode, there would be, like, throwback vintage old sketches and interstitial stuff that you as a child would gain this sort of, uh, you know, you would get, it would, it wouldn't all be just now you, you would be getting a language of time where people were wearing different clothes and you went like, Oh, that's the seventies or, Oh, that's the eighties. That's what people used to look like, but also look how they kind of look like me now. And you would get, you would start to comprehend your place in time, which I think is very cool. And also 
something that I really love about baseball because we're constantly talking about stats and I, I don't mean saber metrics, which we can talk about those another time. I mean like the stats of like, Oh, this th- someone just hit their 600th double on a Wednesday. Who else did that? And then you find all that out and you're like, Oh, this is my place in time. I, you know, the people that watch this other guy do it. Now I'm the person that watched this guy do it. I got to witness this thing and you probably won't remember it, but you did it. You know, it's a participation in time and space and life and this game that goes on and on and on and on and on forever and will keep getting played. So that's what I like about baseball. And that's what I like about life. And that's what I like about life through baseball. Uh, We'll be right back after this. And I'm going to get you up to date with men's major league baseball. Here we go. It's free agency and injury updates. Remember, it's the IL now, not the DL. Um, And I don't think anybody responded to me about whether they would be offended if I continued to refer to it as the DL. So I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to teach myself that it's the IL. And what I'm going to ask is, um, if you want to correct me, just do it kindly because I'm not doing it uh, out of spite or hatred or anything like that. If I mistakenly say is on the DL, I will try to correct it as often as possible. And you can correct me, but just be nice about it. So the big one, the big guy that was on the board still, um, I'm pretty sure that in an earlier episode in the off season, I predicted that Bryce Harper would go to either the Phillies or the nationals. And I was correct. Bryce Harper signed a 13 year, $330 million contract with the Phillies with no opt out clauses or option years. Basically, Harper signed up to be a Philly for life, and Harper has already made clear his intentions to try to recruit avid Philadelphia sports fan Mike Trout to the Phillies in the 2020 offseason. Wow. The wow is added by bench coach Brett. I'd just like to give a shout out to bench coach Brett. We're going into the season, buddy, and I feel like it's going to be wonderful. Happy to have you by my side. So... Brett wants to know, what do I think of Harper on the Phillies? What is Philadelphia's ceiling next year? Which I'm guessing is this year. And are we on the verge of a Phillies super team? Uh, I think Harper is a great fit on the Phillies. Um, As far as his contract, however, it doesn't. And like, we're not getting into the breakdown of all of it, but I do know that it doesn't actually, it looks like a lot of money, but it's actually not that much money. And he said he wanted to be, with a team for life. And like, Hey, I respect that. You know, I'm like down for that. We don't get that very often, but I don't, I also am not like, Oh, nobody does that anymore because nobody does that anymore because nobody gets good contracts anymore. (laughs) So they have to go somewhere else. Also like go work where you want to work. You know what I mean? I'm not going to judge you or whatever, but it is nice to get both, right? It's nice. It's yes to both. Yes to all. Let's do what we want to do. I do think it's strange to not give yourself an out, not give yourself one to be like, yeah, I don't want one. That seems, that seems really strange to me. And I don't understand why you wouldn't just say like, yeah, I want to be here forever, but I've built these in. Um, I don't know in case I don't like it. Like what the hell, you know what I mean? What if he hates it? And now he's just signed up for basically the rest of his career, not basically the rest of his career to play someplace that he might not like. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's really strange to me, but I, I think Harper is a great fit on the Phillies and it's exciting to me because it means, uh, Reese Hopkins is back at first base and Carlos Santana. I think I didn't mention this Carlos Santana. I think I didn't mention this before went back to Cleveland, which, which is really funny because they just picked up Jake Bowers, which I'm excited about. He looks, he fits right in with Cleveland. Um, So now Reese Hoskins can just play first base, which is really exciting to me because I I think young hitters and especially someone as exciting as Reese Hoskins, because he's up there in my top five guys I like right now. Um, Just I love to watch him. I like his social media presence. He seems like he's just having the time of his life, which is very cool. I just like that. I feel like when you get to play the position that you feel the most comfortable in, you just play better all the time. And he seemed not as I mean, he seemed up for it in game and everything, but he just like didn't seem as comfortable in, in center field. It's the same way I feel about Cody Bellinger, but Cody Bellinger like less so because he did play center field, which I was happy to be corrected about last year. Um, I just think you hit better when you're in the mindset 
that you're always that you're used to being in, you know, when you get when you're in the position that you feel the best in. Like, isn't that everything when you're like, oh, everything feels like it's in the right place. You know, you feel like Radiohead and everything is in its right place. Um, So I'm excited about that. I feel like that's really good. And I think that the Phillies are making a go for it. You know, uh, uh, that's not a phrase. The Phillies are going for it more than most teams, if any, are at this point. And I think that I, I mean, I, I think it's very respectable at this point. And I can't believe like, oh, this team wants to win is something that you have to praise a team about at this point. But that's kind of where baseball is right now. They just don't want to spend any money. They're like hoarding wealth and not paying anybody and just going like, well, people will keep watching. And that is the only situation where I'm like, well, maybe we got to stop watching or we got to stop paying to watch it. Like I'm getting going to get a AM FM radio and listen to Dodger games this year. I'm not paying for cable for it. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to line the coffers and then they don't spend any money. I just, that's silly. I'm not doing it. So, I, I mean, I think that the Phillies are definitely on the verge of being a, a, a super team. I, I would take baby steps to that S elevator and say the Phillies are contenders. Um, because I think that Atlanta, I mean, I'm curious to see how Atlanta does with those super young superstars. I think the Nationals are going to take a big hit this year, even though Harper wasn't even as productive. I think he's going to be very productive this year, obviously, if it doesn't have a broken foot. Um, so I just think, you know, they have the veteran leadership in Jake Arietta. They have Aaron Nola, who is just a hell of a hell of a pitcher. Um, they have real muto like we were forgetting about real muto like they have a hitting catcher so they have all the pieces they have reese hoskins um who else uh, nobody's coming to my mind right now but i i mean i I do i i don't know that i would go super team i don't know that i would go you know 2017 astros right now but i would i would definitely (laughs) i would definitely say they're they're 2018 dodgers (laughs) at least uh if not better you know because the 2018 dodgers weren't that great (laughs) But, um, I mean, I think that's a big compliment given what they were a couple years ago. Um, when I caught a foul tip off of, uh, Andrew Knapp in, in the first week of the season in 2017. So, I mean, I think they're great. My dear friend and base buddy, Paul F. Tompkins sent me a bunch of Phillies hats and I'm really excited to support the Phillies this year. I can't believe as somebody who was raised on Atlanta baseball and who has said in the past couple years, I will never be a Phillies fan. Guess what? I'm a Phillies fan. I've been enjoying them for a couple years now. You've heard me talk about them on here. I've been enjoying the moves that they're making, the team that they're building. I just have really liked it. So here we go. I got a bunch of teams this year and I'm excited about it. It's cool and it's fun. Uh, Manny Machado signed a 10-year, $300 million contract with the Padres. The agreement allows Machado to opt out after the 2023 season when he will be 31 years old. Um, I mean, it's cool that Manny is... I, I, I like what the Padres are doing too, slowly but surely building, putting a team together. Um, I think they're going to be fun to watch. I'm happy that he's getting paid. Uh, it was weird to me that I really wanted to see him on the White Sox because I like a lot of the White Sox and I thought he would be like a really good fit there. But I think he's a great fit in San Diego too. Um, You know, he gets to play in 65 to 75 degree weather every time he goes out. He is going back to third base. So we get the benefit of that, watching him play gold glove third base in San Diego. I don't know. I think it's going to be awesome. So again, one of the biggest contracts And you look at those numbers and you think like, oh, well, it's not as bad, but it is. It's still bad because Dallas Keuchel doesn't have a job. So whatever you think of Dallas Keuchel, like that dude should be signed for sure. There's a ton of pitchers still out there. Then we've also got Nolan Arenado re-signing with the... It's funny that re-signs is a word because it also looks like resigns, which is not the same thing. Um he re-signs the third base, the gold glove third baseman re-signs with the Rockies on an eight-year, $260 million contract. I mean, I couldn't really imagine Nolan Arenado anywhere else. So I'm glad that he re-signed with the Rockies and there was like a lot of uh, arbitration chatter. Um, but with all of this being said, meanwhile, Blake Snell, the reigning AL Cy Young winner, 
signed a one-year extension with the Tampa Bay Rays for $573,700. That's a $15,500 increase, or 2.7%, from his 2018 salary. Now, we are not going to get into the weeds of all of this stuff, but I do know that this is something that the Tampa Bay Rays, within the CBA, which is going to be renegotiated within the next couple of years, if not next year, thank God, they're they're allowed to do, and so they did it. Like, this is the minimum that they have to do, and so they're doing the minimum. And I just think, hey, the players' union needs to take some serious notes. Major League Baseball, men's Major League Baseball, is implementing all these changes, rules to the game, making them play faster. Basically saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. Work, work harder, work faster. That's what those things are. Putting a w- clock on the game telling you how to manage your pitchers. Even if you agree with the pitching changes that are happening next season, where they have to make three outs or they have to face however many batters or whatever, which I do think is going to, uh, it's going to speed up the game for sure. And like, yeah, it'll be nice that I don't have to watch a pitcher run every five minutes. But the real, the realistic part of this is that it is them going, okay, moving the conveyor belt faster and saying, well, you better keep up or you're going to lose your job. So I hope that the players union is paying attention to all of this and saying, okay, well, the minimum isn't high enough anymore. And I feel like that's what's happening through all of the world, basically. But in American politics where, you know, uh, like what is minimum wage? It's different by state, but like we need a $15 minimum wage and that's not even good enough. You know, like that's not even good enough for most people to live a decent life. And I'm bringing up $15. And so you might be going like, well, what does this guy have to complain about? He's making $15,500 more a year. None of us know how hard these guys work at their jobs. You don't see it. The only thing you see is the game. And that's three hours. So in your mind, this guy works three hours. He's on TV. People wear his uniform. He gets awards. He should be happy with what he's got. I say, how do you know he's not happy with what he's got? He probably is. That doesn't mean he shouldn't be paid for the work that he's doing and the amount of sacrifice physically and time-wise that a person playing professional sports is doing. Not to mention the fact that the the corporation, the Tampa Bay Rays, that he is because they are incorporated. Each of these teams are LLCs and stuff. Not to mention the fact that he is working for a corporation that is profiting off of his work and his labor. So he is entitled to a piece of that. And who gets to decide how big the piece is? That's the question that we're pondering right now in this moment in time. Who gets to decide? And I think that the momentum is shifting towards the worker and not the corporation. Seemingly so. Um, What I would like to do in the next episode, and this is a promise I'm saying on the podcast so that I hold myself to it. Anytime that I mention somebody's contract, I would like to mention how much money that team made in gross or net profit last season. So that, and that's just one season, so that we could project how much they'd be making in during that contract as compared to how much his contract is. Because that's what we should be... If we were talking about fair sports reporting, A, we would be covering women's sports as much as we cover men's sports. B, we should be covering how much these teams and the ma- and men's major league baseball in general is profiting off of endorsements and sponsorships and, you know, airplay cable Sinclair groups and all this stuff, all this money that they're making. How much money are, are these teams making versus these contracts by these like top level players? Because we're not talking about, we are not talking about 270 hitters. We're talking about Bryce Harper. We're talking about Manny Machado. We're talking about Nolan Arenado. Bryce Harper will will be in the Hall of Fame. Manny Machado, it's going to be difficult. He should be. One of the greatest third basemen I've ever gotten to see play. Do I disagree with some of the shit he did in the World Series last year? Absolutely. That doesn't mean he's not one of the greatest players to ever play the game. He absolutely is. Blake Snell, I would love to see what this season is, but he won the Cy Young last year. He pitched a hell of a season last year for the Tampa Bay Rays. They were like, honestly, there was a moment they were in, in the wild card race. They put a team together. They put a team on the field and they should get paid for that. And I, I just think it's ridiculous that these teams do the absolute 
minimum. Um, I got into the rules a little bit, and so I want to jump to that. Um, so we've got robot umpires. Um, the MLB is using the Independent Atlantic League to test out possible rule changes and equipment changes. One of the changes they're considering experimenting with is the use of robotic umpires to call balls and strikes. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred said the technology has improved tremendously. Sure, I trust that guy. The accuracy is way up. This is a quote. Way better than what it was a year ago. The technology continues to move, and it actually moved a little faster than I might have thought. Of course it did. Um, I really don't like this as much as i have watched games where there have been just ridiculous strike zones and all kinds of stuff i hesitate i just feel like i just i have a hard time and i'm not i'm trying not to be a purist or anything like that i just legitimately have a hard time giving up a human factor of the game to a robot i mean we've already got reviews I mean, couldn't we have like some sort of like management, you know, like if the strike zone is like completely out of whack for both teams, they 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 handshake and they go, we want to challenge these calls. And then they take a look at the last 10 strikeouts or something or, you know, I mean, I just don't I don't want machines in this game. I just don't. I don't want machines in this game. I love this game the way it is. And I don't want machines in the game because that's. Half of this is everybody going boo at a call and you lose that. You lose that, you know, you lose it. You lose that, um, that, that, that brain ability. You lose that part of baseball intelligence. It goes away in 10 or 20 years. Players don't have to intuit. Well, this was a strike. This was a ball. What's he going to do? It, it, the, the robotic umpires is actually making hitting a lot easier and I really don't think we need to do that. I don't think we need to make hitting any easier than it already is, honestly. Um, robotic umpires is going to help hitting, not pitchers. And pitchers, Blake Snell included, are getting torn up right now because baseball started with the shift. And if you don't know what the shift is, a couple years ago, implementing the shift based on a hitter's spray chart, like pitching into the shift so they pitch you you know, to the left side or whatever, you hit it to the left side, they're prepared for it. So then that was all over baseball. Home runs were down, all this shit. So then they change the ball, but also batters start trying to hit the fly ball revolution starts. They're trying to hit the ball in the air because that's the best way to beat the shift, right? Is hit the ball out of the park because you can't shift for a home run. So then pitchers start throwing harder. So velocity goes up. And now you see guys getting Tommy John surgery constantly. Almost every pitcher is getting Tommy John surgery. Tommy John surgery is a surgery of the elbow. You take a ligament out of your wrist and you put it into your elbow because you've pitched so hard for so long that you've basically worn out the ligament in your own elbow. This is something that shortstop Corey Seager of the Los Angeles Dodgers had last year, which explained that one to me. I want to know how a shortstop throw, throws so much that they tear... The, or wear out the ligament in their elbow. That is messed up. So personally, I don't like the ro robotic umpire because I just think as, as much as there are games where you're like, this is bullshit. We lost this game because of this umpire. I, I, I disagree. Like you can be mad and angry and sad about it, but the truth is there are many factors that make you lose a game. And I just really don't like also, also I, I'm just, I'm prattling on and on about labor and being paid for your labor. You put a robot in where a, a person is working. I don't, I'm not into it. What are we going to have like robot hot dog salespeople? We haven't even had a woman umpire yet in a major league, in a men's major league baseball game. And you're going to put a robot in there. Cool. Cool. Not into it. Uh, next rule update, pitch clock and three batter minimum. The MLB has decided to delay the implementation of a 20-second pitch clock until at least 2020 as part of wide-ranging negotiations on rule changes with the MLB Players Association. As part of these negotiations, the MLB has proposed a number of other rule changes, including limitations on position players, usage as pitchers, cutting down on mound visits, shortening inning breaks, and most controversially, implementing a three batter minimum rule for pitchers. The common denominator among these rule changes is obviously to speed up the game and cut down on interruptions, but the Players Association remains skeptical of how these changes will disrupt strategy and mechanics. I agree. 
And because of tensions already arising from the Players Association's dissatisfaction with the offseason free agency process, this is bargaining, folks. The league, which is testing the pitch clock in spring training games, offered not to revisit the issue until after the 2021 expiration of the current collective bargaining agreement. So there we have it. There's 2021 is when it expires. So that's when they will be collectively bargaining again. I think also... Max Scherzer speaking out against the pitch clock was a big part of, which I think has to do with free agency too. Um, So I will take the pitch clock first because I'm already talking about it. I don't like the pitch clock either because someone, I was watching a spring training game. I don't know who's announcing. I don't know who's calling it, talking, doing the color. They said, well, what? uh, uh," So basically incentivizes a hitter to step out until there's three seconds left on the clock, get back in. And now the pitcher has to hurry up and throw the dang ball. So again, all this stuff is, is on the pitcher. All this pressure is on the pitcher and there's no changes on the hitter. So it's very out. It's, it's, it's outweighed. It's, it's not imbalanced to me. Um, we're putting all this weight on the pitcher speeding up and the pitcher doing this and the pitcher throwing this many. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. We've already got in between batter clock. I feel like that's good enough. You can't make a base. What are we going to make a baseball game an hour? I won't watch it anymore. I watch baseball because it takes a while. I watch baseball because yeah, it's two hours. I've basically stopped watching TV. And when I say TV, I mean TV shows because I like to sit down and watch something and put my phone down and pay attention And I know I could binge four episodes of something, but that's not the structure of the show. The structure of the show is for this half hour. And the structure of a baseball game is for at least two hours. I like that structure. I like to slow down long enough to spend two hours on something. And I don't want it to be that much faster than that. And two hours is a fast baseball game. Like, sometimes you got to go, all right, I... Look, I can't believe that baseball takes this long, but you know what? This one time I'm going to sit down and see why. I'm going to try to understand why. Try that. You know, I, I just don't think I, I'm not into the pitch clock. I am, however, into the three batter minimum more out of any of these. This is the one. And I, I'll tell you why. I was just watching the Dodgers White Sox game and somebody mentioned on there. I don't remember these gentlemen's names, but that it actually has an effect on like pitching usage overall and sort of more globally because the pitchers have to be a little more diverse in their ability. You can't just be, you know, well, I'm just going in because I'm left-handed and this batter's left-handed. You got to be able to pitch to righties too, because you're going to have to hit three, right? So I kind of like that because to me, it goes backwards. It brings us backwards in time in baseball when it was more about the guy on the mound as opposed to the arm of the guy on the mound. Um, so that's what I like about that rule. And I think that, yeah, it is, it is frustrating to watch pitchers run in and out constantly. And you have to watch a bunch of commercial breaks, but I wonder if they've thought about that. I feel like they maybe haven't, but let's not tell them about it. Right. So guess what? I'm going to be back right after this with some more shit to talk about baseball and life. So stick around. We'll be right back. We're back. I want to take a minute to talk about a pitcher. He's a he's a marquee pitcher. And he's pitched in the last two World Series. His name is Clayton Kershaw. And he has been battling shoulder inflammation throughout all of spring training. And he's unlikely to be ready for opening day. Kershaw was shut down indefinitely February 22nd, but has resumed throwing. ESPN notes Kershaw has thrown two bullpen sessions with his third scheduled for Monday. This doesn't seem like a major injury, and in some ways it's a non-story, but it has been accompanied by several pieces expressing doubt about Kershaw's status for this year and beyond. Because one of the possible causes of Kershaw's shoulder problems was the work he put in during the offseason trying to add more velocity to his pitches. Here we go with the velocity again. Kershaw's fastball velocity declined for a third consecutive year to a career-low average of 91.4 miles per hour last season. And when he signed a three-year contract extension in November, 
He said he hoped to recover some of that velocity through work in the offseason and potential changes in his delivery. Since Kershaw doesn't have a history of shoulder injuries, it's likely that the strenuous offseason is the cause of his current issues. Brett, bench coach Brett, asks, The career arc of the pitcher seems like such a complex and fragile thing, and the quest for longevity often backfires. What are your thoughts on where Kershaw is at in his career, and how would you utilize him moving forward if you were Dave Roberts? If I was Dave Roberts, I would be telling Clayton Kershaw, don't worry about velocity. You have one of the best, if not the best, curveballs in the game. Let's work around the curveball, and let's not worry about velocity. I think that he is a pitcher who has thrown his body, no pun intended, um, into changing for the better, and in doing so has injured himself a lot. I think that uh, he has wanted the opportunity at every turn to be the guy. And he hasn't been able to do that. And it's been sad to watch. I think he's one of the greatest pitchers to ever pitch um, in terms of his curveball and, you know, the no-hitter that he threw. But his consistency has just not been there the past couple of years. And I really think that, um, you know, somebody like Rich Hill, who's one of my favorite pitchers, he, he throws two pitches. And he doesn't throw hard, but he confuses hitters with his arm slot. He throws the same two pitches out of the same arm slot, and it's impossible to see. It's hard for them to tell what the pitch is. He's not throwing hard. He's throwing good. And I think that um, when you start to get into weighted balls and stuff like that, you hurt yourself, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, Danny Salazar, uh, who was... um, you know, not not the top end of the rotation, but he was he was a solid piece of Cleveland's rotation. He was a starting pitcher. He doesn't even he's not playing any. I don't know where he's at. He he can't pitch, and he used weighted balls in an offseason and essentially threw himself out of the game. So I'm sad about Clayton Kershaw, and I um would not put him on my fantasy baseball team. That's for goddamn sure. <laughs> I wouldn't do that if I were you. Um, so I, I, I did a do not draft on that guy. Um, uh, cause I just think, I think it's, I think it's done, which is really sad unless he can, you know, get through this injury. Um, and they can take it a new approach, which is away from the velocity and more towards, you know, arm slot and mechanics, um, which it sounded like they were doing mechanics already, but, um, when you're when you're throwing too hard and you're throwing too heavy, it does a lot of damage to your body. And he clearly did some because he already had back problems. Um, so that's it's just a bummer to me. Um, and I, it's it's sad about. I'm sad about it. I'm sad about it. He's he's a good pitcher. I think you know culturally we have a lot of differences, but um, I, I've enjoyed watching him pitch. And that game he he threw, I think it was game four maybe of the NLCS last year. I went to it with Paul F. Tompkins, my base buddy. We made that lovely uh, peanuts gif. If you remember that, um, he, he pitched a wonder. He pitched a gem. It's a great game. Nothing too crazy. I think he had 10 strikeouts, went into the eighth inning. That's some solid shit right there. So it's, it's a bummer. I, I, I don't like to see these guys get hurt as much as they do these days. I feel like they didn't used to get hurt this much, but maybe we just weren't talking about it as much. So um, on to something slightly different. Uh, Jessica Mendoza on March 5th was hired by the New York Mets as a baseball operations advisor. Her focus will be in the areas of player evaluation, roster construction, technological advancement and health and performance. Mendoza is a two-time Olympian and was a member of the U S women's national team. This is softball, I believe, for the U.S. women's national team uh, from 2001 to 2010. She will also continue in her role as analyst uh, for ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, which does, I have to say, present a bit of a conflict of interest. (laughs) So um, it's not this isn't the most perfect hire. So I'm not going to go too, you know, like feminism with no eyes on the ground here with this, but, um, cause that's not really feminism. If you're just like, yay, hire a woman or whatever. Um, cause it is, it's a conflict of interest for somebody to be, uh, do, calling games on Sunday night baseball and working for potentially one of the teams. Like when they do enter the subway series, there will be a Sunday night baseball version of it. And I'm curious if she will be in the booth for that. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I am however glad she's still doing that job. 
because I like her doing that job. So I know I'm, I'm kind of going back on my words here, but I really... Men lost their shit on Twitter about it, and it's so ridiculous to me because they were specifically saying, like, she doesn't know anything about baseball because she plays softball. And then these are the same people who will, when you say, well, I don't want to play baseball, it's not, or I don't want to play softball, it's not the same sport, I like baseball, I want to play baseball, they say, it's the same thing, go play it. So you can't have it both ways. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is, they are similar sports, and when you're talking about standing in the box and hitting a base, hitting a ball, it's pretty similar. The way the ball comes in, the size of the ball, all that stuff is is different. The base paths are different. Da 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 da. And you'd think I would be contradicting myself or a hypocrite by saying like I women in baseball. Now, would I prefer a woman that has played baseball to be getting this job? Yes, I actually would. Would I prefer? A woman who regularly plays baseball, like, I don't know, one of the women that played played and plays on the U.S. women's baseball team to get a job in baseball. Yes, I would. However, I'm hoping that this job, hiring someone with name recognition and years in MLB, uh, spotlights this, and it is a domino, a beginning domino in a bunch of dominoes where the thing that I'm saying, women who are actually playing baseball getting hired to do this stuff starts happening. However, I'm skeptical because I have some insider information and men prefer women that play softball. Now you might be like, come on, lesbians play softball. Yes. But also straight women play baseball I'm or softball and now, and straight women play baseball too. But if Men get to hire women who play softball into baseball. They can keep them at arm's length. But if they hire a woman that plays baseball into baseball, then they're admitting that there are women that play baseball and they don't want to do that yet. Not all of them, but most of them. And so I am hoping that this is moving towards saying, okay, I'm not going to keep. See, the, the thing is, this, this is this is what's so frustrating when you talk about oppression. Like, does this sound oppressive because we're talking about women getting jobs in baseball? But it still is because who gets to decide when the thing changes? The person in control. Unless you completely overthrow the system, which most of us are not doing, the person that gets to decide is the person in control. I mean, white women got the vote in 1929 because white men, men said they could. So, like, this is the same thing. I mean, it really is very similar. It's it's a bunch of white men saying, well, the white women are okay. We'll take them for now. This is a bunch of guys saying, well, softball girls are okay. So we'll take them for now. So I'm happy about it, but I'm also conflicted about it because it doesn't, it's not, it's not full bore, but nobody goes full bore, you know, not nobody. Most people don't go full bore. Um, the, the MLB, the men's MLB currently counts 113 women working in baseball operations. I would love to know what the number of positions is. Cause it's gotta be in the thousands, uh, that those jobs are defined as front office or on field jobs among its 30 teams. The majority are in non-executive administration, uh, or medical training and staff roles as opposed to talent evaluation. So that's a big, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, also, just off the top of my head, there is one woman groundskeeper in all of MLB, like head groundskeeper. One. There is, and I think she's the only one that's ever existed also. Um, there has never been a female GM of an MLB team. Elaine Weddington Stewart was the game's first female assistant GM with the Red Sox in the early 1990s. And Jean Afterman, that's a perfect name. Jean Afterman? Currently serves as Brian Cashman's assistant GM with the Yankees. Kim Ng, a former assistant GM for the Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers, now serves as men's MLB's senior vice president of baseball operations. In addition to Mendoza, another current candidate for breaking through that barrier is Haley Alvarez, the, o the Oakland A's scouting coordinator. Shout out to my Oakland A's liberal front office. Uh, Alvarez is considered a wonderkind among the next generation of scouting and analysts and at 25 already has a resume that rivals male quote wonderkinds of the previous generation like Brian Cashman and Theo Epstein who currently run the Yankees and Cubs respectively. Do you think you'll see a female GM in your lifetime? Yes. Um, I do. I have no evidence supporting that other than 
people would at least do it for like stunt and uh, marketing purposes, <laughs> which is sad to say, but that's still a possibility, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's a possibility for sure. In my lifetime, I'm, I'm hoping to live a long life. I'm trying to make a, I'm trying to make a life that will be long. So I'm giving myself a lot of time. So let's see, I'm 30 right now. I'm giving myself at least another 50 years. That's a long time. I think it'll happen. If I mean, that's saying if we saw baseball in 50 years, um, we might not. Now, friends, I did a Twitter po- poll recently, and guess which team won? I, I was asking which team I should start rooting for because I wanted some new teams to watch. I'm going to collect these teams. Like, I'm still, I still wear Dodger stuff. I still watch Dodger stuff. I occasionally wear a Cleveland thing, never the logo, um, always just the letter. Um, that one's rare. I don't do it that often, but every once in a while, I want to feel like I'm back in Ohio, which is weird, but sometimes I want to do it. Um, but I wanted some new teams to root for and to watch and to pay attention to. I think my four, four choices were the the White Sox, the Phillies, the Rays. I can't remember the fourth one. Um, but the team that won was the Phillies. And so I'm excited to be fully and just completely transparently rooting for the Phillies this year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm happy to have a friend who loves this team and root for that team with them. We already root for the Dodgers together. So that's a lot of fun. Um, I'm I'm just pretty excited about that. And legitimately, as much as I dislike a lot of the choices the team itself is making. I am excited to watch the Tampa Bay Rays this year. I'm like, I'm going all the way deep. You know what I mean? Just like I'm going for who, who has the longest shot of all the teams. Is it the Tampa Bay Rays? Then I'm going for it. Like, I'm just, I'm just down. You know what I mean? I'm just down for it. Um, and I like watching Blake Snell pitch. He's filthy. Um, I like it a lot. Um, That's who I'm excited about. I'm excited about the Phillies. I'm excited to watch the Tampa Bay Rays. And straight up, I'm going to watch the White Sox. I like these guys. I like like these guys. I like the dudes on their team. So I'm going to watch that team. And uh, we will be back right after this with a couple more information spots about things I like in baseball and a fantasy preview. We're back. Bench coach Brett wants to know who my fantasy sleepers are for this year and what my draft strategy is and what my approach, if my approach has changed from last year. And I wish that I had like a detailed spreadsheet of everything that I wanted to do, but I'm not doing that this year because I didn't do that the first year. And I just went for the people that I knew were good, like Lindor and uh, I got Jose Ramirez um, and Corey Kluber, like I went for a lot of Cleveland people that I knew were good. And then I supplemented all the rest of that. And I just had this feeling that Giancarlo was going to have a great season. And then he did. Um, but this year I'm in three fantasy leagues, which is pro- a problem. Um, and I think that I am going to auto draft all three of them. And then I'm going to fill in some other players, but somebody that's a sleeper for me is Joey Wendell. He has, um, availability at like, he's a Marwin Gonzalez who is also somebody that you should pick up. He's a Marwin Gonzalez. Um, you can pop him in literally anywhere and the dude hits, he gets on base. He's not swinging for the fences all the time. Um, and somebody that I just like will praise till the end of the earth for fantasy baseball is Scooter Jeanette. The Reds, I feel like are a great team to pick from to get Eugenio Suarez hits also, um, who they got Zach Cozart at, shortstop he has consistency issues but he rakes too and uh who's that the one of their outfielders is also really I, I there's just a bunch of teams that like they're not contending but they're playing baseball and they hit well um so that's my strategy and it's completely changed from last year because i just completely effed everything up so i'm just i straight up i'm on auto draft i don't even think i'm going to be able to like be there for my draft on monday because i forgot i had something at eight it starts at seven thirty. So I'm just like, let go and let God, as they say, with my fantasy baseball this year. And then I'll make some changes. I'll do some trades, see if that works out. Um, Hope to have a decent rotation this year. I'm going to make sure everybody that's injured right now, I don't draft unless it seems like a good injury that or like an okay injury. 
That's my big one. Um, yeah, that's my strategy. And to we're using ESPN again. So I'm excited about that because I feel like I'm a much better GM when I have ESPN as opposed to CBS. I just didn't like it. Didn't like the format. And one of the new ones, so I'm in I'm in a categories league and then I'm in a head-to-head league. Um, and I like playing both. I like each one. I, it's a different strategy to each one. I'm still learning the categories league, even though I won the categories league last year. Um, I'm still learning it. Um, this a good approach strategy that is. Um, but the the new one that I'm doing it has like money involved. I mean, I'm not. It's it's like fake money um, where you have to follow a budget, which that one I'm just like, well, this is going to be interesting. We'll see how this one goes. Um, and I'm also trying to implement like a very specific screen limit on my phone um, to try to help myself out uh, to not get so stressed and not get so sucked into my phone so often. Cause I don't even think like I'm, I'm on it necessarily in a way that's, that's damaging. Like I'm, I'm trying not to send out, you know, disruptive things or whatever, but I just get sucked in and like an hour goes by and I'm like, I just, I just spent an hour on this instead of, I don't know, recording this podcast. So I've implemented a screen limit every day from two to four, which is, that's, that's like a the day, you know, that's like in the day. So I'm, tr- that's also prime fantasy baseball time. You know what I mean? So it might have to shift to an hour, an hour here and then an hour a little bit later, but I'm trying to do a good job on that. And like, we'll see how that goes. Um, we'll see how far I get with all of that. Um, but Hey, I hope you noticed up top that I was, uh, referring to Major League Baseball as men's Major League Baseball. And that is something that I've been doing on purpose because we often refer to women's sports as women's sports and then men's sports as sports. And I think no one is, not not no one, but a lot of people, uh, most people I would say, aren't doing it out of some sort of malice or anything. They're doing it because it's just sort of ingrained in the culture. So what I'm trying to do, because I'm somebody that's aware of this, but who also falls into that trap because it's part of language, right? Um, And it's ingrained language. Um, So what I'm trying to do is if I'm talking about men's basketball, I say men's basketball. If I'm talking about women's basketball, I say women's basketball. If I'm talking about the idea of basketball and I mean everybody, then I say basketball. If I'm talking about baseball, then I'm talking about baseball. But if I'm talking about men's baseball, I'm going to try to always say men's baseball. And it's going to sound so weird. And people are going to be like, this is silly, but it's also true because women also play baseball. Again, baseball and softball are the only, I I can't think of another one where there are two different names, where there's no women's and men's that the sport itself has been gendered. Um, And so I'm really trying to, because men play softball. They don't play it at the same level that women do, but they play softball. So I'm going to really try to call softball women's softball too. So, um, that all being said, uh, something pretty cool happened, uh, in March, they, uh, the MLB debuted the grit tournament, uh, which was like 60 high school girls participating in a baseball invitational. And I am going to, when this episode comes out this week, I am going to retweet from the, uh, the MLB account that was following it, literally all the videos. So I want everybody to be paying attention. Everybody that listens to this podcast, everybody that's listening to this segment, if you care about gender equity in sports, period, especially if you care about gender equity in baseball and softball, please do me a huge favor and retweet these things. Please do it for me. Please help me out because I'm going to retweet all of them to my followers and a lot of people don't like this stuff. So please let's, I really, I really, really want to, cause it's not about, it's, it's about showing the MLB that people care. It's definitely that get them the retweets, get them the engagement, like it and retweet it. Cool. But it's also about showing people that girls, women, non-binary kids, trans kids play baseball. It is about that too. And you get to do both things at the same time. How cool is that? And a lot of these players have come through friend of the show, Justine Siegel's Baseball for All. And that is really cool. She has created a pipeline to get these kids into baseball. And that's what she's always wanted to do. And I also just want to take a second to shout out to her organization. I don't think I've pointed this out before. But she didn't call her organization Baseball for Girls. She didn't call her organization Girls in Baseball. She called her organization Baseball for All. And I think that is really powerful that 
her organization is about bringing baseball to all who want to play it. And I, I think that's a really powerful statement. And I think that I, she deserves a lot of kudos for that. And it's really cool. Um, so I, I would, I hope that, um, I hope that everybody helps me support these folks, these girls, these women, these NB kids, these gender nonconforming kids, these trans kids in playing baseball, because God damn it, if you want to play baseball, you should get to play baseball. You know, you just, you just should. So our last segment, it's not really a segment. It's just a topic. Um, but, but speaking of basketball, women's basketball TV ratings are on the rise. Last Tuesday, Sportsnet New York, a regional sports TV network that broadcasts professional and college games in the Northeast, announced that UConn women's basketball games had achieved higher ratings than Red Sox games, Bruins games, and Thursday night football games in the Hartford New Haven market during the previous 12 calendar months. And this is a part of a larger trend of women's basketball television ratings rising across the country. Last season, the WNBA saw a 36% increase in viewership in adults 18 to 49. This is why I say there will be a female GM in my lifetime. This is why I say there will be more women in, in these positions. Because people want to, and I've said this before, people want to watch the game. And so the gender aspect of it is becoming less and less important in, in, as being a hurdle you know, I think that something else that I think that has helped, um, you know, women's sports become more popular, become more watchable um, is the recent Olympics. Like we all I, I feel like the when women win, we watch them win and we start thinking like, oh, women win. Women are good at these things. And uh, I, I couldn't tell you a single like. I mean, Michael Phelps, I, I guess, and Adam Rapon. But there's a reason why I like Adam Rapon. He's super gay. <laughs> like, But from the uh, Summer Olympics, I mean, I like him. He's a talented skater, too. But I, I really love it, how out he is. Um, and also, like, take a second, because I've heard people joke about this, that they're like, uh, duh, all, aren't all figure skaters? Like, no. The fact that it's taken this long for a male figure skater to be out and gay speaks to how homophobic this country is that a sport that is like for all intents and purposes pretty gay looking i mean it's like it's campy that kind of gay whatever uh you know whatever you want to call it even they can't be out like that speaks to the homophobia in our country in our culture <laughs> um so anyway i i just think that the olympic like katie ledecky uh simone that won the uh, i can't think of her full name and Murph is barking at my neighbor um, that that was the first black American woman to to medal in swimming. Um, I don't I just don't remember any of the dudes and I remember all the women. So I just think it's a cool time where feminism also has like turned over to this point that I was very resistant to where like I didn't want to hear like you can't just be into somebody because they're a woman and all this stuff. But the other side of that is like people are don't think about somebody being a woman as much as they used to. And that's cool. Like, isn't that the whole point? To me, it is. I mean, that's why gender is a construct. And also, all, all of this is me talking about, like, men as a concept and women as a concept. Like, I'm never talking about individual people. I just mean, like, the concept of men has been yelling at me on the internet a lot. Because that's what they're speaking from, too. They're thinking more about the concept of men and the concept of women than they're thinking about these individuals. Nobody's really thinking about how Jess Mendoza actually operates and how good she is at her job. They're just like, woman. I, and that's a concept. That's not a person. So I don't really know where I was going with that. My dog is barking a lot. But I just think something else that's been in the news, and this is not in the notes, so I'm, I'm shooting from the hip here, but that's what I like to do on the show. And I'm going to wrap up the episode very shortly. Martina Navratilova has been very like anti-trans inclusion in, uh, you know, specifically women's sports. And I think it's very damaging, obviously, to trans athletes, trans, trans women athletes. Um, but I also think it's damaging to cis women also. It's damaging to the whole thing. Because A, when has exclusion ever worked out well? It hasn't. And B, it is, it, this is an opportunity to explode the concept of gender. The concept of gender that is oppressive, that is the oppressive concept of gender, because I also am like, I respect the fact that some people really love the gender that they they fall into a gender binary. And I'm, I'm talking about cis women and trans women. So I, I don't want to take anybody's gender identity away from them. I would never want to do that. But I don't think anybody that most people that 
that have thought about it that much, at least trans women have thought about it, I think maybe more than your average cis woman has thought about it. Uh, if you if you say like, yeah, this division is kind of nonsense, then doesn't that explode everything? You know, like, do, doesn't it? I mean, to me, it does. It, it says like, this is ridiculous. And to me, I, I don't feel like sports should be gender segregated anymore. I think it should be segregated by ability. But Good luck having that happen. So um, I I don't want to throw Martina Navratilova under, uh, literally under the bus. I just mean, I don't want to throw her out in the trash and cancel people because I do believe uh, some people are just undereducated, unfortunately. And, and I mean, undereducated, perhaps in experience, because I doubt that she has actually sat down and spoken with a trans woman athlete. Like I highly doubt it. I'm sure she's read a lot of literature that is incredibly one-sided and that speaks to a lot of quote biology, but I doubt that she's actually sat down and had a one-on-one conversation like she has had with her cis woman athlete friends about their struggles. I highly doubt she has had a conversation with a trans woman athlete that she's basing any of this on. And I think that's the major point that's missing. The major factor in all of this that's missing is People are creating, there's propaganda, there's misinformation out there, there's this terror campaign that of, of what trans people are. And it's never, it's not, it's the same, they are using the same playbook that was used when I was a teenager against, uh, quote, gay marriage, you know? Um, there has been a conversation lately that going all in on equal marriage was was a mistake. And I've been thinking about it lately, and everyone is entitled to their opinion on all of these things. But what's really happening is that there was an attack on queer people. And that attack was we need a constitutional amendment, essentially, that says marriage is a certain way. And so the equal marriage fight was to stop that from happening. So it was very similar to the the same right wing attack of, okay we're going to put all this stuff on the books that like you have to be, quote, biologically female to enter this room that has a toilet in it. Um, And it's the same thing because they, quote, lost the equal marriage fight. So they had to move on to something else or they moved on somewhat to they left some people behind to continue that fight. And now they've moved on to to try to ban transgender folks transgender people from public life and that was the same method that they were trying they were it it might not seem like it now because we're almost 20 years out from when it was happening but prop 8 and all of these things was basically saying you don't get to participate we don't want you here and we don't want you in our lives it's the same thing so i understand the anger and the resentment but i really think that we just got to do it again and we got to use the, some of the tools that still work from the equal marriage fight and put them towards uh, like transgender equality fight that like it's just not. And I speak to this from someone who is for like I I am a non-binary person. I use all pronouns. I have like I, I, I'm not um, banging a drum of any sp- particular thing, but I, I do feel that I fit within non-binariness, which to me is part of uh transness and like you can tell me that it's not i get i get to be who i am and i get to feel i also still feel like i'm a lesbian sometimes i feel like i'm I'm a woman it's weird life is strange you know what i mean like i feel like many things all the time but um I, i am read externally as many things and so i just think we all need to put the same mechanisms out there And we need to have conversations and the people who have the privilege to be able to have these conversations need to have them because as angry as we are, yelling at people doesn't make them listen. And that sucks. I don't like that, but it's unfortunately true. So that is why I'm talking about these things because I feel okay and I feel spiritually together. I feel spiritually fit about this issue to be able to talk about it. And I'm sure that I will say things that you disagree with. And I'm happy to hear about that as long as we can have a conversation about it, because I think that's the only way that we can listen to each other. Um, So I hope that you've liked my ramblings at the end of this show, but the episode is an hour long, so I'm going to cut it at this point. Um, I appreciate everybody listening to me and I love talking to you. The other day I was driving around. I was like, man, I wish I could just have a job. I wish I could just get paid to talk to people. And I was like, you dummy, that's what you do. (laughs) 
but I like having conversations to it. I think that's what I miss. So I'll just get in a lift. Um, it's been wonderful talking to you. I cannot wait for men's baseball to be back and women's baseball and baseball in general. It's going to be wonderful. Um, I am going to be in Fort Worth, Texas. I might perhaps be there already. So come out to the amphibian stage. There will be links in the episode footnotes and I have been tweeting them out incessantly. So please come to those shows. I will also in May be in Alabama and Tennessee. I will be in Birmingham on May 21st and then Huntsville on May 22nd. And then Nashville on the 23rd. So those tickets are all live and all up on my website, which is riobutcher.com. I'll be putting my Stay Tough, Stay Tender patches back up on my website as soon as I'm back from Texas. I appreciate everyone's patience with that. Working on a merch store for the show. Very exciting. Very cool. I like it a lot. I hope you buy the stuff. That's very neat. I'd love to see one in the wild. I've seen a lot of t-shirts that people have made, so that's very cool. Um, Yeah, that's great. So please rate, review the show. I already asked you to tell people up top to listen to the show this season so i'm sure you've already gone out and done that so as always if you liked it you liked it forever dog this has been a forever dog production executive produced by brett boehm joe cilio and alex ramsey engineered and mastered by alex sarchet for more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.